when an underwriting team gets a link, they can dive in and explore, you know, multiple years of high quality data sets on Archipelago about their customer to trend analysis, all kinds of things. Or they can just hit an integration and pull the data straight in and process it. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are around the world. Matthew Grant here, partner at Instec London. Well, we are virtually, at least for now, taking you over to California today for this episode to get an update from Hemant Shah, co-founder of Archipelago. Now, of course, you know how important data is for insurance, something we've been writing about and talking a lot about recently, particularly related to property. Now, almost all the companies we come across, and you too, I'm sure, are looking for new sources of data to help insurers enhance, enrich, or augment what they get from their clients. But surprisingly, there are very few companies that are helping the end client extract their data, learn from it, and then easily share it with their insurers. After all, the problem for insurers is not the information they need for underwriting and risk selection doesn't exist. It's just that it's buried deep and scattered widely across their clients' own organizations. So the good news is that Archipelago is solving this problem and has already made some great advances in connecting insurers with their clients and creating a single source of truth. To the benefit of all, Hemant Shah, co-founder of Archipelago, has already founded one company that is today amongst the leaders in providing catastrophe risk modeling to insurance. That's RMS. And I'm fairly certain we're going to be hearing a lot more from Archipelago in the near future. Here we go. Well, Hemant, I've really enjoyed doing every podcast I have, but given the history we've got together and your own experience as a world of analytics and insurance, really looking forward to this one. Uh, of course, you're very well known for founding RMS back in 1989, and you grew that into one of the leading companies for building models worldwide. But you then left there in 2018 and started up Archipelago, which we're going to talk a bit more about in a minute. But great to have you on board. I think you're talking to us from somewhere in California today. Yes, uh, Matthew, it's it's uh, it's a delight to be speaking with you again. Our journey has been uh, in common for many, many years, um, and uh, I am in this uh, conversation from San Francisco. Well, thanks for joining us at the start of your day. You're, I'm sure you're fired up with coffee. So, Yeah, you, I got uh, my mug. Good. So you announced your Series B funding uh, back in April for $34 million for Archipelago. One of the things, just as I was thinking about the discussion we're going to have, it was it was really intriguing for me, is if you took a, took a step back and looked at what insurance needs, you'd think, well, catastrophe modeling sounds pretty complicated. You've got to understand hurricanes, earthquakes, things that don't happen very often. Yet your models have existed for 30 years and are now at the heart of how transactions are being done in insurance. And here you are in building your second company and quite successfully by the sounds of things. But it's all about data. And I think most people looking from outside the industry would think, well, shouldn't the industry have figured out how to get data and share data? But but clearly they haven't. And I, that's the basis for what you're doing with Archipelago. So what on earth has been going on with the insurance industry that hasn't figured out to do what should be the easy stuff and you're now building a business around it? We have gone back to basics um, with the Archipelago thesis. And, you know, as you noted, uh, the market's been you know, consuming information and modeling risk for years. And yet the very fundamental currency for all these decisions is quality data about the customers. You know, and in particular in the large commercial accounts, you know, that is still a very problematic area. So our, you know, our concept at Archipelago from 2018 onwards has been, 
you know, let's not sit behind an underwriter and try to locally optimize how they think about customer data. Let's actually go fundamentally upstream, connect the data at the source and create actionable insight, which then creates the very exhaust for the customers to share those high quality assets data digitally uh, with the markets and close the loop. So um, it's been uh, it's been an interesting journey um, going upstream and, and, and looking at it from the customer's vantage point. One of the intriguing things about this whole focus on InsureTech is the, as you've alluded to, we'll talk more about, you know, there's so much great information outside of insurance. And I think some of the more successful companies we're going to see are those that are actually looking for opportunities and finding data from outside of insurance and bring it into insurance, as you said, rather than starting with insurance companies. But are you, how are you getting on with finding out organizations are actually willing and able to share data because historically and we've been talking about this for years there's been a bit of a disconnect between the risk managers and the owners of the buildings and the information it's been quite hard to actually get large enterprises to find data to some extent they seem to have delegated their own risk management to brokers and insurers are you, are you starting to see a shift in that and actually now getting more engagement from these organizations both seeing the value of data for themselves but also how that plays into the insurance underwriting process now, one way of thinking about what we do is we're bringing data from the outside in, um, but more to the point, it's upstream, meaning the data is actually from the inside out from the customer itself. So this is not about, you know, how do we sit and observe property from the outside in, you know, with computer vision or photographs, you know, from the street. It's actually how do you go upstream into the, upstream into the corporate customer and unlock the data that they're sitting on and make it actionable. And that was a lot of the focus in stealth mode between summer 2018 and we didn't launch until August of 2020. We didn't want to launch until we could actually extract the data, platform it, and then go through a whole placement cycle on several high profile corporate renewals um, and validate it actually works. And you, you've got some good examples of real companies providing you with real data and hopefully paying you money for doing this. But so who did you find to talk to that actually was motivated to actually go and share their data and understood the, you know, the problem and how you could help them solve it? It was, you know, identifying through a variety of leading risk managers who wanted to take more proactive action to understand their own risk. You know, often um, it was getting to those risk managers, not through the insurance channel, but through the digital initiatives of these large corporations, several, many of these corporations and most of them are digitizing across the board. They want to digitize risk and insurance too. So often we were white gloved in from, you know, a CTO ahead of digital, ahead of innovation, um, the asset management side of these owners. And as you say, yeah, the risk manager is an important, hugely important stakeholder in this. Uh, but they're part of an up, they have a whole ecosystem in, in their organizations that part of it is informing and educating and empowering them to understand what their own sources of data are that may not be first thought, oh, that's insurance data, but these are, these are powerful data sources that if we can extract information, we can use it for the risk and insurance use case. I'm guessing these are the companies that actually are proud about the data, therefore also proud about their own risk management, which is why they want to, to share it. And you kind of alluded to a few companies in there, but are there any specific organizations you can name just to help us sort of flesh out the reality of how this is, this is working? Uh, one of our uh, first foundational customers um, is uh, a real estate investment trust uh, called Prologis. Uh, Prologis is, is the largest owner of, of industrial logistics and warehousing space in the world. Uh, publicly traded 
sizable part of the world's GDP flows through Prologis distribution centers and warehouses. And uh, they saw an opportunity in their risk manager, Jeff Brace, saw an opportunity to embrace that um, to not only create a better risk and insurance uh, uh, experience for him, um, but also to power his own ability to add value internally to help his own organization think through risk and resiliency more proactively. And that's one thing that we're seeing is that, uh, you know, more and more risk managers are, are seeing opportunities uh, to not only, yes, procure insurance and do so, you know, re- you know, in a very sophisticated way, but how can they tr- uh, reflect back their knowledge and ability to contribute into the organization, not just to transfer risk, but to think about how do we ensure the resiliency of our assets? How can I contribute to those strategic choices being made by the organization internally, yes, and also transfer risk to insurance companies. So we're finding that there are a growing cohort of empowered risk managers of large corporations looking to reinvent and take the initiative on how they face off against the insurance markets, but also how they can make better decisions internally about risk. Yeah, I mean, it's a real virtual circle because also yeah, a number of these organizations are looking at how they can make better use of their own capital, you know, put, put more through their captive. So I can see how yeah, they, they get the benefit of both worlds. And then, so that's one end of the equation. So you've got the, you've got the enterprise. So what happens when you start going to the market though? Because traditionally the brokers have been quite protective of their clients and kind of wanted to own that transaction of the data. So do you still have to bring the brokers on board when this goes out into the wide world or are you able to go direct to some of the insurers and, and show them what you're delivering? Every single one of our customers um, has an insurance broker. Um, and they play an important uh, part in the process. And we work very closely with the brokers in each and every case uh, to to ensure that the broker is empowered uh, to be able to communicate effectively to the markets um, the, the differentiation and quality of our mutual customers' data. So in each and every case, uh, the brokers were at the table. When we're doing the work to onboard the data sets, you know, extract using ML from the source information, the integrations, you know, that's, you know, very archipelago centric. And when it comes time to stage the data, uh, you know, we work with the brokers to construct the virtual roadshow, the highlights, reels, generate the links. Uh, the broker sends out the links to the platform, to all the markets, to the underwriters. So the broker is part of the process. And, you know, part of what we've been really emphasizing is that, you know, this is about empowering each part of the value chain. You know, it's centered on the, the, the buyer of insurance and their risk management team. That's our true north. But we also understand the role that the brokers play in the process and the underwriters and that it's incumbent upon us to, you know, connect all three of those, uh, those critical nodes in a, in a, in a more, you know, efficient way for the benefit of win-win across the value chains. It's a learning experience, um, but we have been working, you know, quite collaboratively with, you know, over a dozen of the, the principal brokerage houses, you know, many of the, the bigger ones, multiple placements, you know, on mutual customers. So we're all learning how to work together. The brokers still play, particularly in the commercial specialty world of, and the commercial world, a very important role in giving confidence to the data out there. And you just, you mentioned ML in there. I just like to make sure we don't have too many acronyms. So I'm assuming that's machine learning. That you, so you're doing some kind of analytics on the data as well as just presenting it in its raw format, are you? You know, the crux of the archipelago proposition, you know, is the, uh, is the ingestion and transformation and enrichment of high quality trusted data 
that's not only accurate, but can be trusted to be accurate across the value chain. And what we do is we have the concept of, of evidence links um, and lineage and provenance. So all the data on the Archipelago platform has lineage immutably to the sources of the data. Uh, and so what we're doing is extracting using machine learning, uploading these source documents, for example, like a roof inspection report. Um, that document is loaded. The ML extracts the pertinent information about the roof system and then creates the link back to the source document. So an underwriter can see not only that the roof age has been coded, the roof system has been expressed. There's a dozen, you know, uh, high quality uh, descriptions of the roof in the schema. They can see, well, where did that come from? You know, was somebody just typing that in? Oh, it came from a roof report done by the following, you know, party on the following date. And if I want to, I can even look at the source doc and share that with my engineer to trust and then verify. So all this data is connected and the machine learning is how we extract the data into the underlying archipelago schema from myriad sources of information. And a lot of our investment has been developing that infrastructure. Great. Well, I'm glad that you're not doing all this great work and then packaging it up on a spreadsheet and putting it on a CD and mailing it to your uh, to your <laughs> your clients. But, but presumably, on one hand, you've got all this rich information, but presumably in some cases, the underwriters just want to bring it straight into their exposure tools and models. And so you've got a combination between going deep, but if they just want to bring it in, but that's relatively straightforward. They don't have to go and interpret all the data you're providing to them. We understand this marketplace and we've taken the time to understand it even further across the personas like, okay, the risk manager, their team, their upstream constituencies, the brokers, the underwriters, the underwriting assistants, the modelers, their, their loss control engineers. Uh, and we spent a lot of time with each part of the value chain and specifically the personas and people in each part of the value chain to understand how do they want to provide information? How do they want to consume information? What is too much information? What is not enough information? So, yes, as part of that, uh, when an underwriting team gets a link, they can dive in and explore, you know, multiple years of high quality data sets on Archipelago about their customer, do trend analysis, all kinds of things. Or they can just hit an integration and pull the data straight in and process it. We see the usage patterns where, you know, some underwriters will spend a lot of time on platform digging into the data to understand what changed from last submission, what are the trends, and they're availing themselves of that experience in Archipelago and really digging into the schema, including linking in their engineers or their more technical colleagues to invite them into that environment as well. And then others we see, they just hit the export button, you know, and extract the model-ready files, and they go straight into their process. I want to come back to that point about immutable because – I think this is a really critical area about how data is going to be transferred. And so just to make sure I understand this correctly, this is a either specifically or a version of distributed ledger where essentially the data, the data source is remaining in one place. It gets updated. It's that my point about spreadsheets was not totally flippant in the sense that once you've packaged data up and sent it, it's very difficult to update it. But that's part of the, the value of what you're offering, isn't it? That data is is always or is relatively fresh as opposed to being last year's data that's flying around the, the world. Yeah, the, the concept we have is that, you know, the data lives on stream, uh, you know, excuse the archipelago island metaphor, but the data lives on stream. Data uh, property and the underlying exposures are living, breathing entities. Um, they change. Um, they're developed. They're improved. They're divested. They're added. They're damaged. They're inspected, um, they're augmented, they're repaired. Um, and so as the property goes through its life cycle, we took 
the time to map out a complete life cycle model. And as things change, um, we don't overwrite old data. Data is never overwritten. You can see the life cycle and you can see how the information evolves. Uh, and so we're creating a, a, uh, a record of the life cycle of these assets, both their exposures and what happens to them, the incidents and the claims. And then this data can be interrogated and analyzed, audited, um, and, and, and consumed in ways that's very difficult to do when it's like right now, like you say with spreadsheets, it's like Groundhog Day. Like each year, literally, it's as if people are looking at the data for the first time. And if you want to say, well, how did anything change? It becomes a huge project to reconstruct what happened to these properties. And it just a huge amount of time and effort is consumed on just trying to reconstruct what's happened each and every year as if the data has never been seen before. Some of these properties have been insured by the same markets for 12 years, you know, 15 years, yet every year it's like a project. So we're making that whole experience, you know, much more um, efficient. But under the covers is is this this data architecture uh, built on top of a life cycle model that lets us track the, the evolution of these assets over time. I know it's really helpful. Uh, I got a, I got a question for you just to keep you on your toes. You're talking about data transfer. Where in the world do you think people are still using faxes to share data? Oh my God, faxes. Where in the world? I'm not even going to guess. Where, where, where does that, where do you still see fax machines? Matthew? Well, in Japan, they're still using them for damage to autos and cars. So when we talk to Tractable about what they're doing and Tractable is basically using image recognition to estimate claims cost for auto and actually are now just about to go into property. Anyway, in Japan, they have to deal with faxes and scan the faxes in and ingest the data. So yeah, you think life's difficult with spreadsheets. Just try, try to handle faxes, but, um, Anyway, I hope that will change soon. I know the Tractable team while I'm I'm uh, on their board, um, and so I I know um, Adrian and Alex well. So I'll do a shout out to those guys. They're doing great work. Good news for them with their elevation to to um, unicorn status. Um, so just going back to, to Archipelago. So then, who are your clients? Is it the, is it the building owners? Is it the insurers? Are the brokers paying you? Maybe you're getting all money from all three of them. Um, so yes, yes, and yes. We think of our foundational customers. Uh, they're the corporations who are the buyers of insurance. Um, that's where the data comes from. You know, that's the heart of our proposition. Um, that's our credibility. Uh, and that's the roots of the whole platform exists there. Uh, so, you know, we are particularly focused on, um, on, uh, on that segment of the value chain. You know, and every week we add new customers um, uh, that are large buyers of insurance, not only in the institutional real estate space, REITs, pension, life insurance, you know, private equity, uh, but also just large, you know, Fortune 2000 companies that have, frankly, larger property programs than the big real estate owners do because they have, you know, they have, you know, not only buildings, but they have contents and equipment in large BI linked to the property. So uh, that's kind of that. That's the true north for us, uh, uh, Matthew. And yet we work across the value chains. 800 underwriters have used the platform on one or more placements so far across over 100 insurance logos. We are now uh, landing insurance companies as licensed clients over the freemium model uh, because our basic proposition is that if a large corporation platforms their data, they're entitled to share via Archipelago links that information with their brokers and markets without having us toll booth that. But now, as we're getting more traction with the insurers, they're seeing opportunities to land on top of the platform natively as well. 
And we're also starting to work with brokers who are now not only observing us and collaborating with us because we have a common client, but we've signed up some brokers are now signing up their own customers directly because it's a better way for them to execute these placement renewals. So we're starting to do business across the value chain, although the principal focus um, has been and remains on the corporate buyers um, of uh, of insurance because it's their exposure, it's their risk, and it's their data. So I guess the, the real power of the network effect, isn't it? And I believe I saw that CNA is working with you, and I know Aon is one of the brokers that you've you've been working with. Um, so for someone listening who wants to go out and find this data, who's an underwriter, can they, how, how does it work? Do they have to sign up for the platform and pay money or can they talk to their broker and get access to it just as part of the regular reinsurance or insurance, or I guess it's more insurance program? Yeah. To, to your point about the network effect, I mean, it's, we all know this, but it's extraordinary to see it, you know, up close where, you know, one large, I mean, you, when you and I buy insurance, we typically buy insurance from an insurer. Right. When, when Prologis buys insurance or a large corporation buys insurance, they syndicate the risk in these large towers. They often have multiple brokers. Um, there's often multiple programs and each of these programs has sometimes dozens or upwards of a hundred insurance companies all sharing in, in the risk across layers. And they each and every one of them, you know, go through the same somewhat redundant process of getting an email with a bunch of attachments and more spreadsheets and more PDFs. When an archipelago customer uses our platform to uh, share their data in support of their renewal, all the underwriters get links. They're all, uh, you know, it's, it's a very secure, authenticated access. You can see who has access. You can authenticate who has access. So each of these insurers, you know, without having to um, have a contract with archipelago can access the data, um, export the data into their systems, uh, in, in, inspect the data on platform. Um, and so, yes, it, we facilitate that network effect every single time a lot. You know, we have, you know, several active placements right now. Um, each one lights up dozens and dozens of insurers and more and more insurance uh, leaders are hearing from their own underwriters. Hey, I'm getting more and more submissions on this platform called Archipelago. Maybe we should talk to Archipelago about how we can do this more systematically because this mm-hmm. is a better way. It's like being invited into a Zoom call. It's just easier. And they can be more responsive and they can quote quicker and they get more insight on the data. And they're like, how do I get more? And they tell their brokers, hey, can you bring me more of these submissions in Archipelago? And the brokers come to us or to their customers. So this network effect is very powerful. And a key part of our go to market has been to understand how these parties work with each other and not try to build a local optimization where we're just thinking about one persona you know, all of us worry about the underwriter, make their life better. No, it's, it's, it's all interrelated. So by striping the value chain and explicitly designing the platform to address the use cases that each persona cares about, it's not just about the tech. They see themselves. They're like, oh, you understand me. You understand the job I do. You understand my pain points. Designing that in is helping the ecosystem reinforce with each other that this is a better way to do business. Yeah, it, it reminds me of the Dropbox model, actually. The way they scaled was was very similar, albeit in a different business area. But they sent out the links to Dropbox, and you very quickly have to sort of join the network, and then you realize the benefits of paying some more money to do more with it, and yeah, that's how you scale the business. So you mentioned this in passing, but I just wanted to dig into it a bit more. 
around IoT and sensor data. And you know, one of the areas that a lot of people have talked about trying to find opportunities for insurers to collaborate with their clients is around accessing sensor data and using that to sort of predict and prevent, as our friend Sean Ringstead from Chubb would describe, and Chubb would be one of the leaders in this area. But many companies have really struggled and many insurers have struggled to really make that work. Are you, are you seeing some examples of where you actually start to be able to bring that to life and really contribute for both sides to the sort of benefit of getting more data? Well, we just completed a, a uh, proof of concept with one of our customers around how sensor data might inform their view of risk, how it might mitigate risk, and to start thinking about how would you actually collect and share that information with the markets. It's one thing to kind of digitize the infamous statement of values, you know, which is a kind of known quantity uh, and so on. But then there's another thing, like when you have sensor fabrics, how do you think about that data? Um, you know, and, and it really breaks the paradigm. On that particular pilot, you know, it was Archipelago, uh, the large corporation, not only their risk management team, but their digital team that's deploying the fabrics um, and one of their lead insurers. So it was a three-way exploration of how this might work. It's a work in progress. It is very challenging, but the opportunities are significant. I mean, as these buildings digitize, not only does that suggest a wealth of new data sources that can inform risk and then potentially be shared with the markets so that markets can consume that data to underwrite and price appropriately. But as you say, how can those sensors and those networks of digital information be proactively uh, reduce risk in the first place, you know, predict and prevent. Um, and so I think this is, this is the new frontier. It's, it's, it's not going to happen overnight. We're already starting to do, you know, POCs on this and talk to customers about these kinds of data sources. And again, it's very helpful to be embedded with the actual corporation who is managing these assets. And that's deploying the sensors, that's thinking about the use case for the sensors, Mm -hmm. that's trying to act on that data itself, irrespective of insurance use cases, because this is a better way to manage their assets. We learned this, you know, in the early days of RMS, if you can make the the modeling data actionable at the underwriting interface, you're more likely to get, you know, data that's usable because people are using it to underwrite as opposed to just collecting it to give it the portfolio managers. The further upstream you go, in this case, the risk manager and then even upstream of the risk manager to their constituents in the operating business, the better uh, you're able to anchor the, the the quality of the data that can be shared with the insurance industry. And it's that actual point that's so important. And I think the other thing is you've, you've got that way of transmitting the information. I think a big you know, part of the challenge of that whole IoT and sensor space, well, one challenge is actually how much does it cost to get the data. But if you can get it cheaply, given that most buildings today are highly censored, then actually can aggregate and do something with it. And yeah, you're in a very powerful position. Just maybe quickly on that point, I, I think you know, one of the the wonderful challenges of being in an early stage company is how to you know hold two thoughts at the same time, which is, you know, it's important to explore these kinds of horizon use cases because this is the future. And yet how to focus on creating value today that actually starts getting traction and creates, you know, um, um, value t- today. And so, for, you know, for every conversation I have with a, with a customer, you know, about their potential, you know, sensor data, I have more conversations about I'm struggling just to be able to keep up to date on whether the property exists or not. 
you know, because I'm, I'm acquiring and I'm disposing assets all the time. So there's this interesting tension between blocking and tackling, you know, how can technology just help me keep an up to date, a dynamic record of my physical assets and do they exist? Is the roof replaced? And at the same time, exploring these horizon use cases as this higher velocity data is coming um, as well. And keeping that balance um, of focus is, uh, is, is part of the art of this. So I just want to change tack a little bit and just talk to you about the experience of starting up a company again, uh, but this time doing it remotely. I guess you know, a lot of the life of Archipelago has been where we are now, just sitting on Zoom calls talking about it. So how have you, you know, and you were very hands-on when you know, I worked with you, you were always present. And uh, have, you, have you found it personally and from a business point of view, creating a business when people are, are remote? There's been a lot of fetishizing about how, productive we all are and how nobody's missed a beat because we're tech companies and it's a bit of like chest thumping archipelago just prior to pre-covid we've grown from 30 to over 100 so two-thirds of the company has been hired and onboarded um, since you know since the, the covid curtain came down and so this has been a constant imperative is how do we build and manage the business and ensure the culture and deliver for customers you know, in this distributed environment, it's been a, a real focus um, and it's something we have not taken for granted at all um, over the past year. As you look forward, then, are you going to go back to having an office and hire people sort of who are local or are you going to move to much more of a dispersed workforce? Prior to COVID, I and my co-founders, you know, we decided that we were going to build a company that was natively distributed, meaning there wasn't going to be a home office. There wasn't going to be a central hub and that by design, we were going to recruit talent wherever we can find it. And we're going to build the organization to be able to work effectively without relying on the ad hoc, you know, interactions that come when you're in the same physical space. So even prior to COVID, we spent a lot of time talking about basic stuff, like how do you communicate remotely? How do you keep people up to date? The importance of simple things, keeping your calendars up to date, sharing your work, using share documents, you know, not you know, using Slack appropriately versus email, like just basic stuff to help a distributed organization work. That being said, we do have a, an office in San Francisco that I'm starting to enjoy going back to. It's, it is, you know, it's hard to replicate, you know, two hours up on the whiteboard with your colleagues over a Zoom call. Mm. California reopened a couple of weeks ago, so I'm starting to go back into the office with many colleagues. But it's, it, it is a dis- natively distributed organization. We have pods of people um, uh, in San Francisco, in the Bay Area, in the New York area, in London, um, in Delhi. But most of the team has worked and continues to work from home offices, you know, all over the United States, in Europe, um, and uh, that will continue to be the case. Great. Well, the good news from anybody listening in London, and actually must make sure your team get an invitation. We have kicked off our summer party 21st of July. So we've all, we've all missed all the kind of energy that comes of getting people together, 250 people crammed into a, a railway arch that's normally a nightclub. So we're just going to come out strong and got that. And then the other good news, well, I think it's good, I hope it's good news for you. We're doing a Instec on tour trip to California in November. I'm talking at the property insurance report conference that if you know it, Brian Sullivan runs it. So I'm down talking about remote claims assessment down in uh, in Los Angeles and then going to be doing a, a tour up to to the Bay Area and holding an event up there. So, you know, I, remote's all very good, but I would 
we're all desperate to get back. So I'm going to come and come out and see you as opposed to wait for uh, the world to come and see us. Well, Matthew, I'll be delighted to see you um, in, uh, in San Francisco. And hopefully we'll get you back over to London. And just before we wrap up, anything else that we haven't covered that you, you think is important to, to share now? The industry spends too much time talking to itself. You know, here at Archipelago, we've gone upstream to talk to the customers of the insurance industry and to ground our culture and our understanding of the problem to be solved, not as an insurance problem per se, but how do you help the customer of the insurance industry solve their problems, which include risk and insurance, um, but it's a more fundamental and it's a it's a higher vantage point to think about how to create lasting and durable change. And I would encourage others to think uh, more holistically about how to catalyze innovation with that kind of a mindset, because it's a really different vantage point. All those years, you know, you and I were together innovating at RMS. You know, we did so, you know, look, you know, behind the shoulder of the insurance carriers and the reinsurance carriers, uh, but we didn't speak to their customers very much. Right. So, you know, the archipelago has just been so refreshing and so empowering uh, to go upstream and talk to the customers to understand what problems that they're trying to solve. And if you help them solve their problems, as a consequence, you can help the insurers solve their problems. Um, and, you know, and ultimately, we want to create a platform that catalyzes far more innovation in how risk and insurance um, is uh, is is connected. Uh, so that we can scale capacity and deliver more resiliency into the economy because God knows we need more resiliency given the changing climate. And uh, we need some fundamental innovations for that. And that's the journey uh, we're on at Archipelago. Just on that point about the customer, I completely agree with you and no disrespect to our friends in insurance. But when you actually start talking to people that are outside of insurance, they're actually doing some really interesting things. And we're certainly starting to reach out and you know, finding some really interesting people as you are, and maybe one day we'll even be able to talk to one of your clients and just you know, really get to the heart of this. But now I'm a great fan for lots of reasons, actually, partly because, as you say, you, if you're going to offer insurance, you need to understand what the end client is offering. But also they've got great access to data. They are also becoming a route into market through embedded insurance. And as we started this conversation, there's a little bit of a threat to the insurers that if they're not careful, then these large corporations, and some are already starting to do it, are actually going to figure out how to use their own balance sheets to for protection and you know, use use the data that's out there and maybe decide they actually don't need insurance at the level they've had it. So I think lots of reasons to make sure they're part of the conversation. Yeah, it's a real call to action. Thank you very much for your time. You've got a lot going on and really appreciate your support for Instant London. And yeah, hopefully we'll see each other either in November or maybe see you in London before then. But if not, you, some of your colleagues for sure. I've loved speaking with you, Matthew, and look forward to seeing you in person in uh, in a few weeks. Well, we featured Archipelago and over 80 companies providing insights into property information and hazard in our Instec London Location Intelligence Report, free to members, or you can download it from our website. Now, I worked with Herman at RMS for 20 years, and much of that time I was over in California. And as I mentioned at the end there, I'll be back out in November for our Instec on tour event. Now, if you want more information about speaking at that, sponsoring or attending, then do let me know. On the subject of events, we'll be seeing some of you at our party in July, all being well. But we are expecting to be back doing our evening events in London from September, back in the Steelyard. Hope to see you there. Finally, if you are interested in 
increasing regulation associated with climate change related risks and how insurers are having to report on these and whether you are an insurer, tech company or a consultant you should be, you may find an article I released on that topic last week of interest. It's available from my LinkedIn page or on the website and it's in the episode notes here. That along with everything else we're up to is at www.instec.london. That's it for this week. Please keep the emails coming in. Back again next Sunday.